1: Matt Butler. I don't talk, <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. They're right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold sets so. up If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with horns247.com. I am Jeff Howe, 17 days away from kickoff as of today. As usual, when we get to camp time, a lot of meat on the bone, so let's not waste any time. Matt Butler is here. Matt, what's going on, man?
0: Oh, not much. Been talking a little bit of football season stuff with you, which always makes it feel as if it's, like, really coming upon us. Right. It sort of comes out of nowhere, and then August, boom, you're there.
1: And our lockdown corner here on the show, Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American 2002 semi for the Jim Thorpe Award, former fourth-round draft choice. Of the New York Giants back in 2003 spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 acres where he earned his degree. If he knew where his T-ring was, he would wear it proudly. <laughs> Please get that done, Rod. Nevertheless, he's a card-carrying member of DBU, number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. And uh, Rod B., that's Let's go ahead and, uh, no problem, any time, had to bring the intro back, had some requests to bring it back, so there you go for everybody. The t it.
0: it started as a joke, but it's actually funny now well, because now it says it's it every week. No,
2: now it's going on like six years or something like it's that. It's turned no, no, out. got two hands. Not that long. It's only it's one hand.
1: There was a point in time where we did this show where Rod did have a T ring.
2: I did have a T ring, um. and I lost it. I remember that weekend I lost it. It was on the way to H-Town. Coming back from H-Town, stopped at a hotel bathroom, Because I couldn't go to restroom anywhere else. I think I took it off. Seinfeld episode right <laughs> no, there. I think I took it off because hotel restrooms are the best, actually, place to stop, to go but to But why do you take something off in the bathroom? Because I, went to wa- I was washing my hands, ah. and I think I did it to wash my hands. And
0: I'm not a ring wearer, so I, I exactly about these I'm not things a things ring wearer either, but I
2: was <laughs> wearing it that day. Yeah, that's I'm why paranoid you, to
1: take. You know. I wear my college ring on one hand. I got my wedding ring on the other. I don't yeah, really take these off ever. I just don't yeah. take things off in the bathroom. I mean, what a
2: pimp? I mean, who wears a lot of rings these about Drake? Yeah, <laughs> no, so, not not a married. Not
1: yeah. I got two that I sport and uh, and for a good go. reason. But Rod, we'll start this week's show as Texas is in camp. Camp is in full swing. First fall scrimmage was this past weekend, so we're recording this show in between scrimmages. And Rod, your experience as a player, Matt, your experience as a fan, my experience as a media member, we all know when you get to that second scrimmage, that's for the coaching staff. When it starts getting real after that scrimmage, your depth chart might not be set in stone. But you've got a pretty good idea of what that thing's going to look like when you get to that first game, when you come out of that second yeah. scrimmage, and when you come out of that second scrimmage, that's when you've got a really good idea of here's where we're really good, here's some stuff we got to work on in the time we got left until kickoff.
2: Yeah, I think. Well, basically, you got a week until you get to start working on Maryland uh, officially. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about game plan mm-hmm. stuff. In putting, earnest, put, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean. So uh, I think for this this staff, they know exactly what. They what they want, how they visualize this roster is going to going to work out, and how it's going to end up uh, setting. But I, I think at this point they wanted to, they want these guys to earn every spot. You can see that they're still the offensive line. They're still competitive, like uh, yeah. spots right now. The right tackle spot I think is one of those spots that's really competitive. Hell, even left tackle. Both I think tackle we, spots. Yeah, both yeah. tackle spots. I'm trying to. I mean, really, center is a spot that most people believe is pretty solidified, but. I don't think there's any guarantees there. Of course, Patrick Vaje and Elijah Rodriguez, I think, at the guard spots, at least in the interior, maybe they know what the offensive line is going to look like. There's so many questions. Running back position, um, you're, you're a big fan of Daniel Young. Right now, Daniel Young and Trey Watson. Trey Watson just got fully cleared. So
1: Tuesday was his first full contact practice. Yeah, so how
2: is he going to look? Is he going to end up taking a bigger uh, role in the running game? And then you got Keontae Ingram the youngster who's getting some some snaps there too yeah, there's so many positions right now where there are a lot of question marks i think the, the coaches know what they want it to look like but you can't force it cuz if you force it then you know i mean then you're going to end up doing a disservice to the overall makeup of the roster you got to let it kind of organically work its way out they're still doing that with the quarterback position to a certain extent yeah.
0: They're going to do that across all things. That's just something that you're going to see from when it go down to the wire There's with no it. reason to divulge, especially like, first off, you have the carrot you're dangling in front of the player to keep them there. But then the idea that Tom Herman and his staff seems to be one that privies information and also understands that data can be used against you. And the more when you can control the data and what goes out and what comes in, just not going to let that go out to the opponents. Even though if it's Maryland early on, they don't care. It's something that's just you'll see across every single press conference the entire time tom herman's here
1: let's go ahead i want to hit the maryland thing and i don't want to spend too much time on it because i do have some stuff that uh we need to get to i I don't know why i said i have to we have stuff that we need to get to anyway it's i'm in i'm in (laughs) mid-season form screwing up the show already but i want to get to the maryland thing for a couple reasons one we know now that rick court is now the former strength conditioning coach at maryland uh, he was, he resigned, was dismissed, however you want to put it. He's not there anymore. Uh, yeah. If you check out, and, and I believe at 24-7 Sports, we've got the best Maryland site out there, Jeff Ehrman and the guys at Inside MD Sports do a fantastic job. Uh, Jeff's reporting since all this stuff broke prior to the weekend has been that he sees it's very unlikely that DJ Durkin is back as the head coach in any way, shape, or form. And there's two ways to look at it. One, we don't need to lose sight of the fact that a young man lost his life in this yeah. situation. Uh, Jordan McNair passed away. And I heard Bucky and Aaron talking about it uh, this morning, Rod. I know you spent a lot of time on the broadcast talking mm-hmm. about it. And I thought E made a great point as far as we've come. And really Corey Stringer's death is really kind of the, 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 where the yeah, change where the happened. I think moments. that forced people, yeah, yeah. In, in all levels of football to look at. Because, Rob, we talked about mm-hmm. it. We're at the end of the generation where, like, you got water as a reward, as a reward. in practice. Yeah. And the Corey Stringer death. Texas. Was in on one <laughs> yeah. when we were seniors in high Yeah, school. I was a senior in high school, and I remember – like everything in that two-a-day camp changed like you had mandatory water breaks. Like even if you weren't thirsty, like there yeah. somebody's a trainer, student mm-hmm. trainer, somebody's monitoring you, hey, did you drink? Did yeah. you drink water? Did you get a cold towel? Yeah. Everything changed, but it took somebody dying to initiate the change. Um, yeah. But I say, that, I say that to say this. We've come so far in terms of learning proper ways to handle hydration and heat-related issues there's no reason this should be happening anywhere, let alone a Division One football program in a, yeah. a Power Five conference. Yeah. There's no way that should be happening. Yeah, because yeah, you're
0: actually just being detrimental if you're doing any of these things that aren't in line with the actual medical aspect of what your profession is when you're in that job. There's that basic yeah. level of expertise that you are entrusted <laughs> to have and that it was just at,
1: violated at no other level. Yeah. And before we get to the football aspect of it, before you dig into that, Jordan McNair's family deserves closure. They deserve answers. They deserve to know what exactly happened, who's who's at fault, who is to blame for the fact that their son, their family member, is no longer with us. Like Who who let that happen? So to me, Rod, that's where the, the th- nobody needs to lose sight of that in this whole thing, whether you want DJ Durkin to lose his job or you think he should keep his job, whatever. Nobody needs to lose sight of that.
2: Yeah, I, I think that for for Maryland it's probably going to be a regime change the AD is brand new, so mm-hmm. I think Damon Evans, I think it's his yeah. name, so uh, he doesn't have to worry about that. He just got there. He's been there less than a year. Um, but I think Maryland handled it the right way. The president as well. They came out and just said, hey, we take responsibility for it. Yeah. And it's very rare that in any yeah. scandal we've seen in college football, we've Baylor. seen a lot of really disgusting scandals mm-hmm. lately. State. Baylor, Penn, Penn, State. Penn State, and even what's going on with Ohio State where – um, you know you can see people just don't have the basic kind of human decency to go yeah we'll admit some something wrong happened here yeah uh, it was under our watch it shouldn't have happened and at least give marilyn I'll give them that the family will be paid cuz they've already admitted that they died their son died because of them so the family that that kid's going to have a, a great funeral and the family will be will will be paid it still obviously won't fill the void no. in that family's life but they didn't do what the basic requirement was for, for anybody suffering from heat exhaustion first and then suffering from heat stroke. Even the players identified the symptoms. That's mm-hmm. on the record in that ESPN report. And all they had to do was immerse him in a cold water tub. When they took him to the hospital, it took 12 minutes to lower his body temperature from 106 to 102. And if they would have done that initially before they transported him in that 58 minutes it took from the time he had the seizure and collapsed to the time where they actually called the, the, EM, the EMTs, then he would still be alive. They didn't do that. Right. His, his brain was boiling for probably about close to 90 minutes total because they said at 5 o'clock he collapsed. And by the time he got to the hospital at 6, 15, 6 26 30 that's when they threw him in the cold tub and lowered his body temperature but that's the everybody knows that's that's what you do mm-hmm. you know we had cold towels. we mm-hmm. had ice tubs out there and we' were working out in the heat in Texas um, they didn't do that so I agree some somebody's got to pay right. the price
0: and then whenever the president uh, Lowe came out and was talking he even made a point of it is if This investigation is nowhere near over, but because it was so egregious, what we've already found out about court and what just how he exactly how you described rod didn't follow any just standard basic protocols of his profession we are going to have to terminate his contract immediately and then continue it's still an ongoing investigation which is why everybody else hasn't had their terms dictated yet it's just that he was so egregiously at fault that they had to go and draw a press conference and say yeah this is still going on but we know that he does not need to be here anymore. And that's at yeah. least the, the beginning of a good decision-making process at Maryland.
2: And if that was part of a culture that DJ Durkin, you know, that he mm-hmm. advocated for, which it looks like all the reports are pointing to that, that's why DJ Durkin's going to be gone too. Yeah. So when Texas plays Maryland, there's a pretty good chance there's going to be an entire regime Matt change. Canada Matt, will be Matt be Canada will be the interim coach. coach. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and, and to just bring it back as to football right now. <laughs> not to not to make light of obviously how serious of, of, of an issue it is. No. no, and how serious just that we
0: found out that just power in college athletics and these. I mean, you we're talking about four Big Ten institutions that uh, bordering from killing somebody to domestic abuse to child. Yeah. sex crimes to child sex crimes yeah. and all being covered up yeah. with, within a culture of the <laughs> same area and those, right. you know, just Big saying that got and we've had it too, but we've just saying that issues, this yeah. is another example of why the power, and at least nowadays having people's victims' voices heard a tiny bit more helps a little bit to get the power to not feel as empowered, but it still shows it's a huge problem
1: and I want to take this real quick, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but The Maryland fallout that next morning on Saturday, um, that was one of the craziest off-season Saturdays we've seen because that was the, you know, we had the Maryland stuff, and that was the day that this Jeff Snook Facebook report Mm -hmm. comes out that says Tom Herman blew the whistle on (laughs) the Urban Meyer thing and the Zach Smith thing because he lost Garrett Wilson, which is just one of the most asinine things I've ever heard in my life. Right. Um. But right. and Tom Herman, it's, it's your statement. But here's the difference, Rod. Here's how you <laughs> handle it. The here's how you handle one of these deals the right way, and here's how you handle one of these deals the wrong way. When Tom Herman was asked about the Zach Smith situation during his press conference before camp, he gave it pretty much a blanket no comment. Like we don't yeah. comment on issues with the, dealing other with other programs, yeah. and he pretty much left it at that. Yeah. Then you have Will Muschamp, which mm-hmm. we love Will Muschamp on this show, but. I'm going to take Will Muschamp to task. Here's what he said when he was asked oh, about I the deal. Doubt uh, so he said, oh, "You yeah. know, we don't need we criticize the performance, not the performer." <laughs> blah blah blah. And he and then he gets to this part. Actually, I'll read the whole quote in its entirety. He was asked about the the Maryland situation. He said, "I think the big thing is that you need to criticize the performance <laughs> and not the performer. That's something we talk about a lot as a staff. There's a certain way you can talk to a young man and how he's playing and what he needs to do to improve." That's pretty much where he could have stopped and he would have been fine, right? Mm-hmm. I think we can all agree with that, right? Yeah. Benny then Will champ steps in it. I know DJ Durkin. He worked for me for four years at the University of Florida. He's an outstanding football coach, but he's also an outstanding husband and a father, and he treats people with respect. And even there, if he would have stopped there, people said, well, might not go out and defend the guy, but if he would have stopped there, he probably would have been fine. Then there's this. and I'll use your word alleged article. There's no credibility in, in anonymous there's no credibility in anonymous sources. If that former staff member had any guts, why didn't he put his name on that? I think that's gutless. And in any business and in any company and in any football team, especially here in August, you can find a disgruntled player that's probably not playing. I think it's the last lack of journalistic integrity to print things. With anonymous sources. Holy crap. Will wow. Muschamp could not be any more off base. Like, yes, Man. I understand he's friends with DJ Dirk and Rod, but wow. coaches well, are friendly with other guys. Will huh. Muschamp doesn't know what's going on at Maryland?
0: I was going to play that video audio, too, because when you watch
2: Will, Will he it.
0: Will has the intimidator eyes, and he's so locked in. And it's another exact example of what I was just saying about power in these coaches that like the lack of, because he's emotionally attached to a guy that's a protege that he A friend. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, somebody yeah. that's on his staff. He then is literally being so tied to his allegiances and emotion and total skews is a reality that a kid died. You are the face of a school of higher learning for an entire state. One of your states two up from you just had this happen. You should have some type of understanding that, you know, this isn't about the sources. This is about what is going on on the field, and I I would venture to guess that Will Muschamp hadn't read much about this situation and was just hearing that some you know if you just insert anonymous source former coach he's going to just go and throw the idea of what fake news blah 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 at it or something. But when you have the reality of this, it's the worst thing to be commenting on when a kid died on the other end. Rod, uh, have you ever
1: have you ever had a disagreement with your significant other where it starts with one thing and then? Either she brings up or you bring up something that doesn't have anything to do with it, and then you argue about that. It's like, wait a minute, how the hell do we get here? Like, what was the root of the deal? Like, how does Will Muschamp get? Fr- by yeah. How does Will Muschamp yeah, get from? Yeah. Let's talk. He's let's talk allegiance. about this. And then, by the way, yeah, all you that use anonymous sources, it's all garbage. You're all gutless. Well, because
2: for him, he's making the connection that this uh, there are anonymous sources with these reports that are taking down DJ Durkin because nobody knows knew what's happening this, behind yeah. the curtain. Um, because, as, as Matt pointed out, they, they have a power structure, the good old boys network. Mm-hmm. That's what Urban Meyer going down for, right? right? Good old boys network, taking care of your own, what's behind the curtain. And once somebody figures out what's going on behind the curtain, usually there's a lot of shady business going on. That's why there's no transparency. Mm-hmm. Um, and see, for guys like, you know, Will Muschamp, that's threatening. You know, because mm-hmm. he he <laughs> needs to work in that in that secrecy. If he can't work really yeah, in secrecy, in then he has more obligations, right? Because the public now we are we are now obligating these coaches who are making all of this money. That you can not only just do what's required; you have to do what is right as well. Yeah, all right, and they're not the same thing. And, and that sometimes they will not so with, with Art Brows, it's like well, I did, I told uh, my superiors I did this. It's like, well, we're talking about the rape of young people on yeah. campus, so I'm gonna need you to follow up with that. I'm gonna need you to go ask about it. I'm gonna need you to say to ask about, hey, why is this guy still playing when I I, I, I heard that he was on in being investigated for rape Joe of a Paterno, young girl. Same thing, you know what I mean? No, yeah. Joe Paterno, same Back thing, you know what I mean? Urban Meyer now, same thing. Um, and that's, I think it's it's good. But that's what a little, just a little bit of transparency mm-hmm. yeah. will do, and that's cool. what they, these guys, they don't want that. You know, they must jump, I want all football. That's yeah. it. I don't want to worry about other things, Those social issues and all this stuff. He don't even want to talk about pop culture There's or anything. 40% of I, that scares like the that. hell out of him. But now. You, we're saying, you know what? There's there's social responsibility that if you're going to be working with young people, especially yeah. at these institutions, now at least there's social responsibility on you for making all this money. Now you have to also, you got to have your hands in the uh, in all those different you know issues on campus that guys are involved in. There's a guy that goes that's being investigated for rape or domestic abuse or sexual. Even your staff, we need you to follow up. Yes. We need you to be involved. We need you to go. And do your own in independent investigations. Say and These something. guys are going to hate that because that takes away today's from ball. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, you
0: heard this regime. You had heard there was the say something era, like where we had people finally saying that you should talk about these things. But then you're right, Rod, because you have not only the coaches and the power structure wanting to just shut up and play basketball, but we have half a society doesn't want to have these things talked about. And the half a society sometimes just wants people, eh, shut up, play basketball. We hear that all the time. And it's a big rift between. People in society—it's either the power structure yeah. or just your personal beliefs.
1: Up. I don't—I don't want to make this sound like I'm throwing shade at Mac Brown because I'm not. I'm just using oh, it he as an example because, because, on because it's because it's the, the only cared. example I have. But Rod, the days of having your Cleve Bryant, your football ops guy, just be like, "Hey, why don't you just take care of that?" Uh, those days are, are should come to an end. Those days—and they're yeah. starting to come to an they're
2: end. They're starting to. I mean, you can't hide it now. Social media, uh, yep. the sports industrial complex. How many? independent news organizations now, and I call them news organizations because back in the day, they didn't they didn't consider back in the day Mac Brown websites to be legitimate no. news organizations. Now they are.
1: Well, I mean, just on the web, the app, so, Texas, oh, you've got I mean, you've got Orange Bloods, you've got uh, us at Horns 24-7, <laughs> you've got Inside Texas, you've got Football Man. Brainiacs, you've got the Statesman, the Dallas Morning News is on it, the Chronicle, the <laughs> right. Express News, Yeah, I and mean, those are the people that are on the beat every it's day. Exactly, and, they're,
2: and, they're, and 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 we need, they need content. We need more Sports is another that I'll throw yeah. in there. They've got to, so, usually got a beat guy Yeah, they can't. Now they, you know, that's why USC, they're like, hell, man, we'll open a couple of practices. At least if we give them that, that something to chew on, something to distract them, they won't be asking so many damn questions about my staff and doing background checks on everybody. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the best way to do it. I think that transparency actually would help them, but in college football, no. They want to keep the curtain up, and as long as they got that curtain up, I need my anonymous source. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to be, you know what, I'm peeking behind the curtain. Then I'm, I'm deep throat back, you know what I mean, in some parking garage somewhere, getting information. Yep. Sorry, Tom Herman, that's the way it's got to be. You've Sorry, created God, the Meyer, machine that's the way that way. Got, you guys have created this. You know what I mean? This is the apparatus that you've created uh, with the clandestine, really secretive nature of college sports. And if not, this young man, uh, Jordan McNair, nobody would ever start asking questions about you know, Mm -hmm. what happened to him, and done the research. Maryland wasn't really cooperating.
0: And in recent years, we had started to see certain staffs and mistreatment of players that you start out. Because I remember, hell, I was telling you today, Jeff, I was just watching the Texas OU game from 2009. And who's up there? Kevin Wilson, the quarterback coach for Texas or for Oklahoma at the time. He has to get fired from Indiana for mistreatment of players. You have the Mike Mike Rice stuff. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. So Mm -hmm. this stuff's been around, and it's just that, unfortunately, sometimes you get Something so catastrophic to bring it to your attention before, say, a whistleblower brings it to attention, or say somebody just gets in trouble and you know you get caught recruiting, and then you just write them out.
1: Uh, To to kind of put a bow on this from my perspective as a media member, I saw Dan Walken had a column for USA Today after this whole thing happened, that and I don't want to kind of encapsulate it into this one thing, but it's kind of what it was. That basically, right? if, If media members did have more access to stuff, that stuff like this wouldn't happen. And I, I, I've come to the realization that there are some things that college football coaches will, are willing to let us see, and some that, like oh, yeah. the open windows we have, we have to practice. I appreciate those because it does allow me to do my job better. But Tom Herman's not going to let us see anything he doesn't want us to see. Agreed. You know, and I'm, and to your point about why we have to use anonymous sources. I mean, we're not Woodward and Bernstein. We're not, you know. Unearthing Watergate, but at the same time, like we got to eat, we have jobs to do. To I eat. have, I have a family to support. Well, yeah, yeah. There's something I to have support. bosses that bosses demand pay. things of and me. You know
2: what? And so do some. So do people on your staff. And And those are the people that are on the athletic department. So, you know what I mean? Maybe we can forge a little relationship together. That's mutually beneficial. Yeah, that's the way the game works.
0: And a big part of this, though, may be why people are like, well, then why don't these sources put their name on it? Why don't they do that? And it's like, because if you think about how the complex works, you cannot have that happen. If you want the journalist to get actual real information from inside that isn't wanted to get out – there are it has to be some type of intermediary where you trust and that reset. both of you reciprocate the trust with one another this guy knows how to do his job he will get what i feel uh, is what is happening on the field out to the people best represented other than having hearsay having third person ones so through these football relationships almost that like i mean if you're sitting around at practice all day and you're talking football with people you may pick up a thing or two and that's how these anonymous sources come out because if they had to put their name on it they wouldn't tell you these things you wouldn't have that information because the source would not be allowed to do so from the coaches so as you a have writer
1: this little as a writer this is the way i've always looked at it. if you're going to use an anonymous source you damn well better make sure that that source is somebody that that matters mm-hmm. yeah. you know depending on that's what connected. you're writing about exactly so that's just on you to make sure that your source knows and sometimes look man i've had sources that have told me stuff that oh, i know is bs i ain't printing that
2: yeah like, it didn't enough. didn't pass the smell test use, exactly you
1: know? use your better judgment that's yeah. that, some people that, that's the journalist every trust. damn
2: source it doesn't matter how low level it is or mm-hmm. high i mean value. i've gotten
1: phone calls hey i'm hearing this this and this and and this or this is what happened and it's, you just I mean yeah I might get scooped on that I might miss some clicks but man I wish people could hear the, some of the stuff that I get told. But those sometimes. things yeah. also, Rod, you know how to, it's stuff I don't want to know. Yeah, no, exactly. That stuff but though, you,
0: sometimes will open doors to you, though, that you start asking around about a thing or two, and you find stuff out. Like those type of conversations, though, it's up to the journalist to understand what is actually newsworthy and what yeah. is trustworthy. But it can also tip you off to. I can't confirm this, but I can go and ask these other people, maybe they can go and if I have three just like that that right, when
1: this heart when when the. When the Stuff and Tom Herman came out with a statement that says he's he or nobody in his family has ever talked to Brett McMurphy about the Ohio State situation. Brett McMurphy has to come out and say Tom Herman's not my I source. I love that. because you've that got, was so good. You got a radio station, ride in Ohio, I think it was in Columbus, saying like yeah. we're working working to confirm a ten thousand dollar payment from Tom Herman, Tom and Michelle Herman to Courtney Smith. Like you're working to confirm it, but let me go ahead and just put this out there so I can just rub Tom that's Herman's a, nose in it.
2: That is like the, you, you're right about that. That's journalism 101. But I you're right. It is that's that's not fair. But let's just admit journalism has evolved. Yeah, devolved. It's not what it devolved. You can say whatever you want to, but it's not what it used to be. And there was some truth to that because Tom Harmon later said, "Hey, we did help Courtney Smith out, right? Yeah, with payments." But that would um, be like me saying, you know, what yeah, mean? No. so it. You That's know just mean? Like, where they that, don't know what they're like talking about. Saying, what's legal? It's like they heard a little something, something. They didn't. They didn't confirm they the details. Sniffing. They didn't but they were like, you know what, this source, they just told me something that I think is worthy of going out there with it. And even the Jeff Snook guy, he, you know what I mean? It's a vocal message out, board. And he's more of a propagandist than Jeff Snook guy, honestly. Yeah. Um <laughs> so he probably was just trying to muddy the 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 jury pool and poison the jury pool, if you will, for the in the court of public opinion about about Urban Meyer's stuff, but and, and misdirect for you know for Urban Meyer and Ohio State to Tom Herman. But I will say that that's the way yeah it is these days man you just they just throw it out there and even and they took it back they deleted the tweet and everything but they don't care because now they just have the there. free publicity and the clicks and it's out there and it's out there they yeah. don't they, yeah they didn't want to they didn't they didn't take it back or apologize i don't believe yeah and now also they the loose
1: phrasing
0: of those things are so
2: big because yeah. you say oh yeah according to blah blah, blah and I it wish. was the biggest story of the weekend honestly for like Two hours. And, and then we, I was it. <laughs> we don't deal
1: we don't deal with recruiting much on this show. If you want recruiting uh, Mike Roach and EJ Holland have the No Interviews Please podcast, that no interviews pod on Twitter and search no interview please, Apple Podcast, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast, they'll handle your recruiting information. But Rod, you know this, man, in recruiting a lot of times perception is reality. Whether it's true or not, well, doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's, that's something that's something yeah. that now the Texas coaches have to be like, hey, they have to. I'm, I wouldn't be shocked that they've had to answer hey. the questions They're like, hey, coach, well, what, what's all this I'm hearing about you snitching on? Oh, on no Urban doubt Meier. they've had to answer, you know? the questions is like,
2: yeah. I mean, that, but that's you know, that's a, today. What Adolf Hitler said it, you know, what, decades ago. The bigger the lie, the more people will believe it, mm-hmm. and. It is mm-hmm. truer today more than it has ever been, unfortunately. like You just <laughs> throw it out there if it's big. People will <laughs> believe it. That's now, it be the made new before, slogan of America. <laughs> even after it was refuted by Tom Herman and Brett McMurphy and even Michelle Herman, people were like... I still kind of believe it because we yeah. wanted it to be true. It was so good, and alive. even I, I admitted already. I was like, I wanted that to be true really bad. That was really good because I don't think it made Tom Herman look that bad. No, to me, I not like, well, I don't care. man. Like, well, I don't care about that. Yeah, he was helping her out, yeah. and then after yeah, that, he meters. decided, you know what? I hate that M. Effort to uh, Urban Meyer. I'm going to take down a Power Five coverage. I didn't even know that the recruiting might be angle was a I heard periphery that. threat. I was like, that that kind of diabolical mind. That's the mind I need running Texas football. That time type of duplicitous mind, that is the guy that I want running. That a hole he's not a bad guy. Yeah. He's just no the criminals. type of a hole Exactly. Oh, wow. I want Belichick. He's an a hole but not a bad guy. Popovich, a hole, but not a bad Belichick, guy. Belichick,
0: he didn't ask that you know I many questions about no, what was no, going no, not on. A bad in the guy. Nick
2: Saban may be a bad guy, but it ain't a hole But, yeah, but no, no no, that's the kind of guy you want running your organization. And I I, I really wanted it to be true. I wanted it to be true like LeBron and Beyonce having an affair kind of rumor <laughs> true. Yeah. You know what mean? Awesome. I mean? I really did. Yeah. See, right. you
0: know, we were talking about coaches having so to good. go and ask those questions and find out what you yeah. say. Well, but Aaron, Aaron, not, Aaron what true. were you doing, Aaron?
2: But it's not true. Just want to throw that out. There.
1: All right. Well, let's get back to camp. Let's talk some football in the time we've got left. So, Rod, you hit on it uh, at the top. We're talking about roster makeup, uh, Maryland prep, that kind of stuff that you'll get into after the second scrimmage. But leading into the second scrimmage, here's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with more issues with linebacker depth because Gary Johnson had a what i was told is officially been diagnosed as a mild shoulder sprain he got on friday in practice he went in the scrimmage and as far as i know is back on the practice field but I man know. any any I, time
2: why, why did he go in the scrimmage again
1: he went 15 to 20 plays. Why? I guess he might. Mu- maybe I don't know. Maybe why? the injury wasn't as bad as, okay. as maybe I thought it was. All right.
0: Okay. I, I, That's the one thing, though. Tom Herman has always talked about liking to be a physical in practice, and there's I been know. criticism over I years know. that by the end of the year, his teams have more injuries than other teams. I know. I'm just saying. Just pointing that out, Because you already light at
2: linebacker. Yeah. That's why I'm asking. And you're light at linebacker Agreed.
1: because Deli Eto'o is dealing with a knee injury. DeMarvion Overshone, who you just moved to linebacker because of the Jeffrey McCulloch injury, is now dealing with a knee injury. So. So, Rod, we talked a lot last week about linebacker depth. Man, you're really, really, really hurting there right now. Mm-hmm. And, again, I'll throw it out there once more, you don't have Anthony Wheeler for the first half of the Maryland game. So you, if you come out with uh, in that you know base nickel look, your three linebackers could be Gary Johnson, Malcolm Roach on the inside, and maybe Joseph Osai starting as a true freshman at that B-backer spot. Yeah. I mean, unless unless one of those guys, if McCulloch can come back or uh, Deli Aidaway can come back, and even Delieito is a true freshman. Yeah, you're down to some unsavory options and kind of rolling the dice a little bit on some of these. Put deals. Malcolm
2: Roach in a glass case. Just put him in, just put him in a glass him case. And and put me Gary Johnson him away. Boat,
1: even more than we said last week. Like yeah, right now
2: I'm good. I don't need to see anything really from them. I mean, I want them to practice, but in terms of the physical stuff. I need to – you know what I mean? We need to kind of manufacture some depth there. You got to yeah. accelerate the this development is, of some of those young guys.
1: This is where you'd love to have DeMarco Boyd just to take some of those uh, practice reps. You'd love having yeah. Edwin Freeman. I mean, yeah. Have, you know I mean? A these, veteran. Either one of
2: those guys would be like, oh, thank God. And we I'll, like say about, I'll say this I'm about Edwin Freeman. I'll say this about Ed Freeman, though. Like the, the
1: Ed Freeman I saw in the spring from a physical standpoint – didn't look like a guy that was gonna be able to give Texas much. Like he would have had to have had a big summer in the weight room. And that's why I was man. thinking. This is sort of reminds me of our conversation last week
0: with the DBs that it might actually be a good thing. There might be a, a young emerging player like a a, a Delaway, is how you pronounce it. Deli eight away. Deli eight away. away. Deli eight away. Deli eight away. But either way, whenever you have somebody like it, <laughs> <for> you <laughs> if, minute, you if you, you say it enough, it Matt. You're no, no, I guy, I, 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 yeah, yeah I gotta it, like, I gotta get it. rhythmic add add my mind doing with Tua. Yeah, if you see Matt, if
1: you see Matt Driving down Dele MoPac at 360 Edouard. later, and it looks like he's mouthing Delia. Away, he's just yeah. practicing. They yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes.
0: Now there, there was a couple of those names. They did that same thing with the Hima on uh, Simpsons back in the day. You yeah. so don't remember that? <laughs> but yeah, no. It could be a good thing because we talk about how Ed Freeman was a guy. Ooh, we'd be nice. It'd be nice to have him. But if he feels as if he really wasn't going to be able to right. get that playing time, might have somebody emerge.
1: And Rod, we've come up with the same situation now in the secondary. John Bonney's decided to move on as a grad transfer. Yeah. It's pretty late in the game. I was um, say, yeah,
2: that's why it was – that's kind of – yeah, why he's so
1: late? Well, here's my theory on this. Uh, with Caden Stearns opening up, spring, uh, open up fall camp with the Ones, I think maybe John Bonney gave himself time to like, okay, if I'm not – if I don't pass him or I don't have a chance to pass him by the end of the first scrimmage, maybe that's when I move on. And I'm not saying that I have any kind of inside information. I'm just thinking like that's probably – maybe he just wanted to give himself a chance to go win a job Maybe now that he realizes he's not going to win that job, he can go to Texas Tech where he's probably gonna be a walk in starter and or at least play a lot And instead of being a backup safety, maybe being at a joker position, being kind of just a guy on the periphery.
0: Yeah, I you know, was Bunny the last of the Mac guys.
1: Uh, no. Yeah, Mac
0: did bring him in, though. Uh,
1: you got Andrew Beck. So some of the guys in that 2014 class were, were Mac Brown. That just groups. shows, though, yeah. how we
0: talk about how, you know, a new coach and coming in, like how it might not fit as well. And even though he's with Herman for last year, you're talking about a guy that was two coaches removed and now seeing the right. That was, on that the was the one wall. thing about And yeah. you see these freaky freshmen coming in, it makes sense that he may not. That was be. one
1: thing about John Bonney State when he's like, I want to thank Coach Mac Brown for I know, giving me a true. scholarship. like, wow, John Bonney's been around here yeah, a while. I like, yeah,
2: I was <laughs> saying, like, he's. Yeah, he's been, but, see, he would have been – I mean, you're talking about a team that still has depth in the secondary. They had depth last year. Ridiculous depth last year, actually, in the secondary. They still have it. It's just it was more experienced last year. Yeah. This year it's inexperienced depth. Now, it may be more talented. The mm-hmm. ceiling may be higher for this depth, but now you've got to expedite the development of these young guys, and you got to get them in there quicker. Now, we all expect Caden Stearns and Demarvion and Overshown, but now B.J. Foster – and chris brown's you know, still back there yeah i mean yeah i mean now i don't know I, now i gotta see what the difference is between those young freshmen we just brought in those mm-hmm. talented guys and those veterans you know what i mean that are right
1: now have those front line yeah, spots. chris like brown chris and brown bj and, chris brown and bj foster have been competing next for that spot next to john bonnie on that number two defense and you had Montrell Estelle uh, running with the threes. So, And Montrell Estelle's is a guy that Texas signed in 2017. Like We haven't said a peep about him, mostly because he's been hurt. He had a foot injury man, yeah, leading up man. to the bowl game last year and was injured during the spring. But there's another talent. There's another four-star prospect that, at safety that we haven't talked about. Rod, here's here's why. And, and, and look, in hindsight, yeah, maybe having Ed Freeman back would have been really good for this team right now to have a veteran guy, a linebacker. But – that's why I don't want to completely dismiss John Bonney leaving because, yeah, he had been passed. But I do like having a guy back there that's played in 37 games, yeah. got 15 starts. Can play safety oh, in the corner. And play, but playing safety in this conference, man, yeah. that's just that position now is the quarterback of your defense, especially in this defense, that fieldside safety. So, for me, now you're in a position where if something happens to Brandon Jones – now you're probably looking at maybe your best move, because I don't think you want to play two young safeties next to each other. I think you'd like yeah. to have an older guy with a younger guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If something yeah. were to happen to Brandon Jones, I think your next yeah. move is probably move P.J. PJ Locke Lock. back to safety yeah. and roll with Josh Thompson at the nickel. So you're not, as in, you're not in dire straits like you are at linebacker, at least that's the way it seems right now with the injuries. But like you said, it's more about can you expedite the development and the the, uh, the football IQ, if you will. Of those younger guys who probably who have higher ceilings from a talent standpoint than John Bonney did
2: or maybe simplify things for him let me bring it down to him yeah level at first uh if you if you need them to play right away hopefully that is not the case uh but right now that's looking like it will be I mean especially with Devontae Davis on the outside mm. um I know Anthony Cook is probably getting some first two reps there too yeah I was
1: going to run down uh you know, Chip had some notes. Uh Chip Brown, uh, over at Horns Twenty Four Seven had some notes from practice. This was Tuesday's practice, so as we sit here right now, yesterday's practice. Uh Anthony Cook and Kobe Boyce both got reps with the ones yeah. uh with Devontae Davis out. And that brings us to the Eric Cuffey transfer, which he basically just got recruited over.
2: Yeah, I mean he looked he looked around that room and I'm sure he <laughs> he saw the writing on the wall. I mean, he's a he's a football guy. He he went out to practice with those young guys and you know, I had that moment, too, when uh, you see a young Michael Huff and a young Cedric Griffin and a young Nathan Basher. Uh, some people would decide, you know what, nah, this ain't for me. Just, I got to go somewhere else because I'm probably not going to get the playing time or even the opportunity to, to compete for a spot. Yeah. And, and they go somewhere else and play. I think John Bunny will be like that, too. He might end up starting. For Texas right. Tech, mm-hmm. honestly. For sure. Um, or like me, you decide, all right, well, they're not taking my damn job. Uh, they'll be really good one day and I'll help them, but they're not taking my job. And it lifts the level of competition in that room. Right now, that competition, of, that level of competition in that DB room is really, really high. Yep. And, and, and good for them. And that D, that D line room is like that too. Right now, just because you don't have the bodies, the linebacker room, you, know, you miss that, that competition level. That's what hurts it. Because now we're doing training camp. You know, those guys don't get pushed as much as everybody else. You, got, you need that, that depth for that reason. Um, yeah. and that's why a quarterback at Texas is always hurt. It's not because, oh, um, the guys who transferred, they were going to end up being all-stars and superstar players. No, because they were going to end up pushing the depth. They were going to end up you know, pushing the competition level.
1: You would hope so, anyway. Um, a couple notes, Rod, and, and I just want to run down Chip's notes as we get back to offense because this ties into what we were talking about earlier. Uh, when you look at running back, the, the pecking order is still, uh, according to uh, you know some of the sources Chip talked to from practice on Tuesday, pecking order still seems like it's the same at running back with Daniel Young, Trey Watson, and Keonta Ingram. That seems like it's your top group right now, and it's interesting that You've got Tony Carter, who got some playing time last year, Kyle Porter, who's a veteran guy that I think is still going to have a role on this team, be a third-down guy, or if you go two-back stuff, I still think he's a a good enough blocker. He's probably your best blocking running back that I think he can help you there. Uh, And then Kirk Johnson's the ultimate wild card to me on offense. Matt and I were talking about Kirk Johnson before the show. It's like – it's amazing that, like, everybody – there's a lot of fans that assume like Kirk Johnson is like this big like unknown secret that Texas is just ready to unleash. But Tom Herman put it perfectly when he was asked about Kirk Johnson a couple weeks ago, like he spent more time with the rehab team the last couple of years than he has on the practice field. So they really don't know what they've got with Kirk Johnson. It's nice that he's healthy and he's able to go through yeah. practice. But uh, to a lesser extent, Matt in our discussion brought up Fozzie Whitaker as a guy that at the end of his career, like, mm-hmm. hey, man, if he gives you something great but you can't count on that guy at this point, it's kind of where Kirk Johnson is. Like if he ends up giving you something at running back, awesome, wonderful, but I don't think you should be counting on him. To, to do anything at this point. And that's no disrespect to Kirk Johnson. That's just a guy with that much of an injury history. I don't know how you can count on him.
2: There are certain guys, and we've seen them throughout the years, they have really, really like explosive dynamic skill sets, but they just don't fit within the structure and the philosophy of certain offenses. And we scream and yell and cuss because we can't understand why you can't force feed that guy to football. DJ Monroe, D.J. Marky's Johnson. Going. Chris Warren most recently. Chris Warren's gonna make the Raiders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was running around <laughs> he looking good. Yeah. No, he never killing. he looked like he, Tech no, that yeah. one tech game. He's had two double digit runs already in his first week. He's gonna make that team. And John Gruden likes his style of play, of right? That's old John Gruden's old school. And you know, it's like Texas, he just didn't fit here. And it's like, damn, that guy didn't fit. We couldn't make we couldn't motivate him or do anything. No, Texas couldn't find a fit. They put him at uh he was at tailback and didn't halfback, then halfback, back, then H back and then they moved him to tight end. Just didn't fit. Doesn't mean he didn't really have talent. So I think, unfortunately, I think you're going to have some have some guys like that. Kirk Johnson may be one of those guys. But we haven't even gotten a chance to really see right, exactly. if he's got like, that, even don't... that kind of ceiling. Uh, but even some of those other guys, like Tenille Carter, and uh, I think some of those guys, they, their time may be done like, sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's just, it's just the way it works. It's man. the way it works, yeah. You need a talent infusion in that backfield. You've got to transfer and Trey, Trey Watson you got a young, the best running back in the state, and a young recruit in Keontae Ingram, and then you picked the best, which was your man crush from a oh, sorry your 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 uh, running back crush from a long time ago, and young Daniel Young. Yeah. So yeah. that's I mean, right now that's the big three. I, you know what? I'm totally train. cool with that. If that's starting that group as your rotation of three guys.
1: Uh moving down to the offensive line, Rod, you were talking about tackle and it still seems based on Chip's report from some sources out of practice. Uh oh, let me guess. This is always fun. So yo uh At starting uh who, Let's uh, who go left tackle right first, now first, yeah. Starting
2: left tackle. It's either Calvin Anderson or um Okafor? Um Oh Anderson was in the scrimmage. Go
1: Anderson. According to Chip's report. Uh, it was primarily Denzel Okafor. Oh damn it! First team on Tuesday. Calvin right. Anderson, second team. You want to take it as a right tackle? Uh, yeah. Oh, this is actually this could be a lot of different people. Uh, Stetter. It's Stetter. Oh. Uh, and then uh, Sam Cosby, number two. And he's worked right and left. Okafor's worked right and left. Yeah. I, was I, was I say, don't yeah. think Anderson's worked right to my as far as I know. Uh, Stetter's worked right tackle and center. In this First
2: cutters, you know what, man? He can play all, uh, you know, all three positions right now. Because like, he's a natural guard.
1: Like I thought that was going to yeah, be his position. That's great to have a Texas. guy like that. Um, and then on the interior, Vaje and Rodriguez are number one guards. And then Patrick Hudson and Topi Amade, at number two right guard. It might sound crazy, but Rod, everything I keep hearing and from what the eye test has shown me, the limited view I've had of practice so far with these open media windows, Tope Amadi is more game ready right now than Patrick Hudson is. and Maybe that was me having unrealistic expectations for yeah. Patrick Hudson coming off the knee injury cuz it does take big guys longer mm-hmm. to get back from that, but man, last year Tom Herman even when he was on defense was just watching Tope Amadi run around and he mentioned the comment that he told one of the assistant coaches like, "Hey, we need to make Tope a player." And then if you go out to practice yeah. One thing that I really I really, really hone in on is who are the coaches really hard on. Not like in a malicious way, but like who are they really coaching up? And you always hear Herb hand talking to Tope Amade. That lets me know that like Herb hand sees something in that guy. Like yeah. He's trying to mold that guy. Yeah. So and I'm not saying Tope Amate is gonna be a second coming of Dan Neil, but it does sound like they think they might have something with
2: him. You're gonna get, if you can get, if he can crack the rota- uh, rotation of that top eight guys, that'd be great. Right now I think they may have s- Five guys they trust. I think they trust Vahe. I think they. I think they like Kerstetter and Rodriguez, Shackelford, um, Calvin Anderson. I'm that hearing would give his you six. On. Yeah. Um, man, Cosmic could Cosme, be they seven. Like,
1: yeah. And then maybe Amade's eight. I mean, yeah, I, I know mean, that's yeah. asking a lot of Cosme and Amade. they but but... like his versatility though. And oh, that's
0: man. where the versatility, if a few yeah, guys man. can cross train at a few positions, well, like eight becomes guys. thirteen. Yeah. He's you pound. know what I'm saying? Like once you start yeah. doing all the different combinations, yeah. it makes it that manufactured depth. Very underrated. Same eight. The same
1: thing we talked about a linebacker. That's why I think Malcolm Roach is your most indispensable piece because he can play all three positions and we knew from last year, he can go spin down and play that four-eye if you need him to, which you probably don't need him to at this point. But if you wanted to, you want to run some kind of specialty package or something, then, yeah, he can go play some four-eye. Yeah. Um, But, man, I – you know, Rod, give me your take on Patrick Hudson because this is a guy that, you know, he was going to play as a true freshman then – had some kind of yeah. incident in the weight room with a toe and missed <laughs> the rest of the year. And That's then it seemed like the light was coming or on. Yeah, in a toe. It seemed like the light was coming on for him. When he got a weight
0: room toe the worst, like nightmare of crushing your toe off with a weight or something. Oh. You know, like that would be the pain of a toe. It That's been so one of the
1: more bizarre injuries I've heard recently. And like the one last year was Terrell Cooney, like injured an ankle. Like falling down the stairs in the weight room. Yep. And then this that's year, funny, this I've broken year, an ankle at a concert. Before. This year, Tristan <laughs> Houston got bruised ribs falling on a football. It's broken just like, Ron, right, that's hard, leg. man. Like, that is the hard, way shoulder pads are now, like, you have to fall in, like, just yeah. right, like, just at the right no, angle. man, injuries are freaky. Your insane. delivery yeah, a few weeks ago
0: about the injuries, and Jeff was just trying to fit them all in. And he said, Oh, yeah, falling on a football, and just moved on to another one. I was I just started cracking up, laughing. He's <laughs> like, Yeah, falling on a football, damn. But I see,
2: the offensive line. would happen more often. Just got done talking about the guys where you know you just got to consider them a luxury that you can't depend on them. You can't really kind of build your game plan around them, and that even talented guys like Fozzy were like that. Where you just Mm -hmm. couldn't trust them because you just didn't know if he was durable enough to make it. I mean, both Stephen Shipley turned into great players, and you didn't know what you get. Offensive linemen, they throw them in the same category. So are you putting
1: Patrick Hudson in that can't depend on him category? Well, you're just not.
2: Well, not yet. I mean, you just once. What's the evidence? Mm -hmm. I I agree that he's going to be able to compete for a spot you know what I mean it's sort Um, of like what
0: I finally feel as if Tiger Woods may be back because he finally did a year of being healthy and it was my whole life I had sat there There it was like I got a dog that died that came back to life because I was like I never think this guy will be happy or be healthy again I'll never see Tiger again and then it's like wow a full year? Okay, maybe now I can depend on him to be consistent. That's the same thing with the football player. Like it would took Fozzie to like have his whole finishing year, and then now it's like seven years running strong in the NFL. Nobody thinks of Fozzie as an injury concerned guy. He's as durable as any NFL running back there is almost yeah. but it's just the idea that until you do it for a year, right. your sample size you can't depend on it.
1: Um, but Rod, with Patrick Hudson, I think the biggest thing for him is he was a guy that gradually the confidence with him had built up to the point where you felt like, okay, maybe he's ready to start giving them something. I think the challenge for him now, especially confidence, not just confidence in his ability, confidence in the knee, I think now it's about how quickly can he rebuild that confidence. And where is that going to be by the Maryland game? Where is that going to be by the following week, by the USC game, and so on and mm-hmm. so forth in terms of when is Patrick Hudson going to be a guy that you would say, okay, now he's ready to give us something.
2: Yeah, and how much of the offseason did he miss as a result of the injury? He was there
1: for mo I mean, he went through everything during the summer. Yeah, so. see,
2: and that's important too. Yeah. He's still – yeah, to the point where he's got – as an offensive lineman, that strengthening. Additionally, for him may be more pivotal than it is for both. And if you look at
0: injuries, that's the main thing that when you talk about, because we sort of get in this point as sports fans just looking like, oh, he's hurt? Okay, he's not hurt. So now he's back to the guy we knew. And it's like, especially when you're in these developmental years, once you fall behind and you're just trying to catch up and you're just trying to catch up, and there's a certain point where an age and athleticism you can overrule those things when you're young, but there is also a certain point where you're just fighting to just get back to where you hope you were before you got injured and that's a vicious process if they're young players that are grasping systems fastly or say the system's changed on you or your body isn't reacting the same way and just trying to catch up it's like a tide and sometimes you just never catch that tide and it ends up eating up your either you know collegiate career or your pro career
1: rod i want to end the show this week having a sam ellinger discussion because to me i don't even know if it's worth having the quarterback. Debate discussion anymore? I don't think people are having a, a debate. Anymore. Yeah, I don't think so. I, yeah, I to, I me, to me, there's exactly. not. You know. So when I look at Sam Ellinger, um, and we can pick this up next week, obviously, because this will still be fresh, unless like Shane Bouchelle watch him like go out and blow the barn doors off in the scrimmage, and then we are really having uh, a quarterback discussion. Not, well, but I w- I started thinking about this because I'd heard Matt Rule talk up to him that. I, I had heard that he talked about it a Big Twelve Media Days. So when he was at coaching school recently down at the THSEA convention in San Antonio, I asked him about a sophomore sophomore quarterbacks because he's got one in Charlie Brewer. Yeah. And mm-hmm. finding that balance between a guy being older and does that older, does it making him a year older, does he start to maybe process too much? Like he processes it better, but does he start to process too much to where he's not playing on feel anymore and what makes him special? And I asked Matt Rule and I asked him, uh, coaching school said is one of the things you have to fight with a quarterback who's in his development process is now that he's had a year to digest everything and really understand your offense, do you have to fight paralysis by analysis? Can he suffer from that? And this this was Matt Rule's quote on it. You have to fight that and part of that is year one when you're a freshman and you're not really winning, you can really let it rip because there's not a lot of expectations, there's not a lot of pressure on the line. It really comes when things are on the line, when pressure is on the line, and you're supposed to win this game, and you're supposed to win that game, mm-hmm. and there's yeah, expectations. When you start letting those outside influences in, that's what affects you. Um,
0: Charlie Brewer is a late Travis kid, too.
1: Yeah, and so uh, he went on to said, talking about Charlie Brewer specifically, he said, we need him to never lose what makes him special. That's the ability to make plays on his own, to play within the framework of the offense, but then go be special. That's his gift, and you can't rob him of that. So thinking about Sam Ellinger, I started thinking about Texas quarterbacks in their second year and how do the numbers look. And I started looking at some numbers, and I'll have this story up on the site. I've got the framework of it right now, but I'm still working on it. I just finished some of the research this morning. Uh, The completion percentage for the following Texas quarterbacks dropped from year one to year two. James Brown dropped from 69.6 to 50.6 in year two. Major Applewhite from 58.2 in year one to 58 in year two. Not that big of a drop-off. Colt McCoy, 68.2 in year one, 65.1 in year two. Uh, James Brown's interceptions per pass attempts jumped from one every 57.5 attempts in year one to one every 26.8 attempts in year two. Uh, That was the same trend for Chris Sims. Went from one interception to 36 pass attempts in 99, one interception every 16.7 attempts in 2000. Vince mm. Young's rate went from one every 24.8 attempts in 03 to one every 22.7 attempts in 04. And Colt McCoy, one every 45.4 attempts as a redshirt freshman, to one every 23.6 attempts as a sophomore. Uh, James Brown, Major Applewhite, Vince Young, and Colt McCoy all saw their pass yards per attempt and passer ratings drop. Uh, in the second year wow. and then you look at Shane Bouchelle, who even though his completion percentage actually improved from 16 to 17 uh, yards per pass attempt yards per pass completion. Passer rating were all down. Bouchelle also threw a touchdown pass every 18.6 pass attempts in 2016, uh, and that number jumped up to uh, one passing touchdown every 30.4 attempts last year. So you can start, you can see a trend with Texas quarterbacks in that second year, and this is just Texas. I'm sure if you started to look at it, look at the big picture, Mm -hmm. it's like that everywhere. And Rod, how much of that is? Yeah, I can process things, but maybe the guy's processing too much and not playing on feel anymore.
0: Well, and then also you're being put in to do stuff that you weren't uh, expected to do the first time. You know, like if you're a freshman coming in, you might get some garbage minutes. You're a sophomore. Now you are getting the full load, the full burden of the job. And it's an accurate representation of what you're facing with as an offense against their defense. Uh,
2: I think they take more chances, too, because they feel more confident as a sophomore, more confident in the offense. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of it may be that it's just putting – there's too much they're trying to process at one time. They're thinking too much, yeah. you know what I mean, instead of just going out there playing. When film to and, react to the also, second year film against yeah, and the guy. Yeah, exactly. The other teams I think have they're film. Countering, on. You I think it's a lot there. of different factors, but that's kind of what Tom Herman doesn't want to coach out of, uh, of Sam Ellinger either. This he happened. wants that element in Sam Ellinger yeah. um, to be able to improvise on the run. Right. The
0: same thing happens to pitchers in their major league debut when they go out and pitch because nobody's seen a pitcher. So you'll see pitchers have these great starts in their major league debuts. We saw some near-perfect games the last couple of months because nobody's seen them before. But once, like we talk about the D coordinators at Texas, that their first year, that first year the unknown is something that you can actually really be advantageous if there isn't a film against you. The second year, then they're going to be counting. They know. what to face they know what to attack you aren't the unknown so that's a big element
1: All right, let's mark that. That's a good spot to end, and we'll pick up the discussion uh, next week when we're talking about what news notes and nuggets we hear coming out of the second fall scrimmage. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the uh, Austin Radio Network, our wonderful partners here at 104.9 to Horn, 104.9, 101.9 AM, 1260. Streaming always on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B. each and every week on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. And thanks to Matt, you get us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts, and always get our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.